Hey, this is Chris. Hope you're doing well, and welcome to Popcorn Finance, where we discuss finance and about the time it takes to make a bag of popcorn. Appreciate you coming back and joining me for this special episode that I'm doing in honor of Fin Health Matters Day, which is today, April 25th, or I guess it could be in the past if you're if you're just catching up with this episode. But Fin Health Matters Day, or you know, Financial Health Matters Day, was a day that was created by CFSI, who you might remember from a prior episode. I talked about them and their FinX program back on episode 42, if you want to check that out. But this day was created as a day to bring attention to Americans' financial health. And this year, they're specifically focusing on the financial health of our students. So in today's episode, I'm going to try and help current and former students and even the parents of some future students improve their financial health in about the time it takes to make a bag of popcorn or at least, a, you know, a really <laughs> big bag of popcorn. So I think the reason why FinHealth Matters Day was focused on students this year was that there's just so many financial issues that are plaguing students right now. You know, whether you're a current student or a past student like myself, you know, old people like myself, there's so many things that we have to deal with now, whether it's, you know, with rising tuition costs, uh, the fact that there's over $1.3 trillion in student loan debt outstanding, uh, the lack of financial education in schools, or, you know, just the societal issues and pressures that we're all dealing with. So I think this is why the student financial health issue is so complicated and it's not something that can be fixed by just addressing one specific area. So in this episode, I'm going to give you a bunch of resources covering different areas that can affect a student's financial health. And so because I'm going to be mentioning so many different resources, make sure you check out the show notes. Go to popcornfinance.com slash finhealth, so F-I-N and then the word health, and I'll have links to anything I talk about in this episode because you may be driving, you may be doing other things, and it's going to be crazy difficult to try to, <laughs> I think, remember all the things we're going to be saying. So when it comes to a student's financial health, I think the earlier, the better. There's, there's no better time to start teaching a kid about money and finances and how to manage things than, than when they're a kid, because you want to start ingraining those principles and those good habits as early as you can. So even though you think a kid won't understand some of these concepts, there's a lot of us adults who don't understand them either. So, you know, I wouldn't worry about that. And you got to give kids a little more credit than that. I think they're, they're smarter than a lot of us think. And so I think a great way to start off a child's financial education is through giving them an allowance. And, you know, there's no one way to handle an allowance. You know, there's so many different ways to do it. You got to do what works best for you. And a great example of this that I've seen is through, uh, it's a book called The Art of Allowance, as written by John Lanza. And he actually uh, sent me a copy and I've been checking it out this past week. And in his book, he outlines this three jar system. So there's three jars, you know, there's a share jar, a save jar and a spend smart jar. And in each of those, you know, the kid can place money in based off of different goals and different um, ideas and techniques you like to teach them. It's just a great way to give kids hands on experience and let them really understand what it's like to have money and to manage it. And one of the key things he mentions is give them a substantial amount of money. You know, you don't have to give them $100, but, you know, don't give them like 50 cents. You have to give them something that will actually be be meaningful. So this is something that you can do with your kids as early as, you know, age four or five, and you can continue the habit and increase the amounts as they get older to help them just get comfortable and be familiarized with managing and handling their own money, because this will definitely come in handy in the future, especially because financial education is something that's really lacking from our education system. Speaking of our education system, the years leading up to college can have a big impact on the actual financial footing that a student will have during and after college. So regardless of where you decide to actually go to school, applying for some scholarships never, never really hurts. Free money never hurts. <laughs> and scholarships are a great way to avoid one of the biggest financial issues facing students today, and that's student loans. 
Jocelyn over at the scholarshipsystem.com has put together some great resources to kind of help you navigate this world of scholarships. Because if you're anything like me, back when I was in high school, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just Googling random scholarship things and I wish I had a little more guidance and direction, which I think Jocelyn has done a great job of providing. You know, she mentions that you can start applying for scholarships or your your child can start applying for scholarships as early as four years old. You know, you don't have to go gung ho and, you know, apply every day, but you can start looking into it during, you know, the holiday break and summer vacation, things like that. But the real kickoff season to start applying for these scholarships is going to be, you know, springtime during the sophomore or junior year of high school. And a great place to start your search for scholarships would be somewhere like collegeboard.com or brokescholar.com to kind of get your search started and start looking for some scholarships to apply for. And it's important to look for reputable sources because it's the internet. So of course, there's people trying to scam you on there. So just make sure it's a it's a legit site and you can visit the scholarshipsystem.com for a list of reputable scholarship websites. So now let's say that you didn't get enough money through scholarships to pay for college and now you have to take out a loan. Or maybe you already have some student loans that, you, that you've already taken out and you're just looking to get serious about your finances. I'd say step one is don't ignore them because that's never a good option. I don't think that should be an option at all because trust me, they'll come find you if you just decide not to pay them. But on the issue of student loans, I won't even pretend to be an expert on this topic. Uh, I'm not at all, uh, but I do know one and his name is Robert Farrington and he's from the collegeinvestor.com. And Robert is all about getting rid of student loan debt. You know, he even started the student loan debt movement, which this year it, it encouraged people to pay off over one point four million dollars in student loan debt. So he's really serious about this and he's, he's definitely passionate about it. And, and on his site, he has some great resources about repayment plans and student loan forgiveness and refinancing your student loans. Just all these tools to help you manage it and get your student loans under control and then eventually get rid of them because that's the goal. And, you know, if you're if you're more into podcasts than reading, and I'm assuming you're, you're a podcast fan if you're listening to this, uh, Robert, he appeared on episode 36 of the Journey to Launch podcast, which may sound familiar because uh, Jimmy Hiller was just on a recent episode of the podcast, and she's definitely a friend of the show. And on there, you know, Robert walks through all these great tips. He mentioned some things about student loan forgiveness that I, I had no idea about because there's so much bad information around, um, you know, it can get really confusing out there. So it's a great resource. So I would definitely recommend checking that episode out. And, you know, we all choose different paths in life. There's no one way to do anything. You know, what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another. And so maybe you decided that college wasn't for you, or at least college in the traditional sense. And so it doesn't matter if you went to college and if you didn't go to college. There's one thing that everyone needs to know how to do, and that's budget. And, you know, budgeting doesn't need to be this complicated, scary thing. All it really is, is just a way to track and prioritize your spending so that you can focus and reach a, an actual goal. Because if not, you could just be spending your money all over the place with no rhyme or reason. It's just happening. And so on this podcast, I've actually done a few episodes on budgeting. Uh, episode 17, I gave some examples of how I budget using a combination of automation and multiple bank accounts to kind of track my money and keep it separated for very specific reasons. Uh, on episode 24, I mentioned Mint.com, which is one of my favorite tools. It's a free tool. Uh, it's run by Intuit, who you may know for you know TurboTax. I think most people have heard of them, uh, but it's a, a free website and app that allows you to manage multiple bank accounts all in one place. And if you listen to episode 24, I go into more detail on how I use it specifically. If you're looking for a simple budget that'll help you get started and something that's not too overwhelming, I would recommend this tip that I heard from Marcus Garrett back on episode 37 of the podcast. Uh, Marcus is with the Paychecks and Balances podcast, a great podcast. I definitely recommend you check it out if you haven't done so already. But in that episode, he mentioned the 50-30-20 budget. And it's super simple. So it's 
50% of your income goes to needs, 30% to wants, and 20% to saving. And it's just a really easy way to classify and kind of help you categorize your money and wrap your head around it and give you a basic structure to help you keep things in order and start moving towards some of those goals you have. So that doesn't mean you can't get more advanced and you can't, you know, do more than that, but it's a great place to start. And if you go and check out the tools and resources page over on popcornfinance.com, there's a calculator up there from Nerd Wallet, and it just lets you type in your income, your monthly income, and then it'll break it down into the whole 50, 30, 20 split so you can get a good example of, of how it works and what that would look like for you. And so now that you're getting your financial health all in order and you're kind of straightening out some of those bad habits and, and issues and debt that you've had in your past, I think the best thing you can do is help set up the future generations to, to do even better than you. Because I think that's always the goal is to help those who come after you become a better version of you, you know, to, to skip all those those issues and problems that you had. And hopefully that'll catapult them to even better places. And so you can help your kids or young members of your family or your friend's kids start out on the right foot by setting up a 529 plan. And what that is, is basically it's just a college savings account. And so the money that goes into this account can be used to pay for tuition, room and board, mandatory fees, required books and computers. You know, all those big things are going to hit you once you get into college. And the key here is that the money contributed into this account can be invested in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, things like that. And the earnings on this money is not subject to federal tax or state tax in most cases, just depends on the state in which the, the 529 plan was opened, as long as this money is used for qualified college expenses. And so this is a great way to help set the future generations up for better financial health overall and to avoid student loan debt, which is probably one of the biggest reasons that financial health is so poor. One resource that I recommend is giftofcollege.com. I actually have a, an episode coming out in the future with the CEO, and this is a website that helps friends and family easily contribute towards a 529 plan. So it's a cool way to allow the family to help the next generation get started on the right financial footing which I think we all want and is really the goal of Fin Health Matters Day is to improve the financial health and well-being of our current and future students. So I hope this episode has been helpful and has started to make you think a little bit more about your financial health and, and the future of those around us. So again, I knew I was going to mention a lot of resources in this episode, which was going to be very difficult to remember, but that's why I have show notes. So if you go to popcornfinance.com slash finhealth, that's F-I-N and then the word health, I'll have links to all the resources I mentioned here and then a summary of the different topics and different ways you can help improve the financial health of our students. And if you've been enjoying the podcast and this is your first time listening, make sure you subscribe. You can find Popcorn Finance anywhere you find podcasts. Just search for it, you know, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Google Play, wherever you like your podcast, that's where you'll find this. And while you're on your phone, you can follow Popcorn Finance on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Just search for Popcorn Finance and it'll be there. I post info about future guests and different things that are going on with the show. So as always, I appreciate you joining me for another bag of popcorn. Hope you have an amazing rest of your day and I'll talk to you soon.